So here we are. We, uh, you'd be pleased to know we're almost getting to the end of telling a better story. It's felt like a very long sermon series, even though it's been broken up into sections. Uh, the section we're currently in is thinking about uh, stumbling blocks to faith that people may have when we're talking to them about Jesus. And uh, we've heard about um, scripture and how people may uh, find scripture difficult. We've thought about the problem of suffering. Uh, And today I want to do something quite different. I want to talk about kind of the problem of culture. Because we live in a society that has its own culture. And it's actually not that long ago when society and Christianity overlapped quite considerably. The ideas of right and wrong were fairly similar. We had, you know, there's similar ideas around sexual ethics and all that kind of stuff. But over time, they've started to drift apart a little bit. And there's still some overlap, uh, but not a lot. And that means that in any conversation that you have about faith, there will be cultural issues that will come up. People want to talk to you about politics and what Christians think about politics. They'll want to talk to you about global warming and what Christians think about global warming. They want to talk to you about uh, what do you think about gays? And all those kind of big questions. And we could do a whole series on each of those topics individually. But I thought, well, why don't we just look at all of that in entirety and come up with some principles to to think about. So that's the idea of today. Just have some ideas about, well, how can we engage in that kind of discussion? Well, first of all, what is culture? Well, culture is a complex mix of things. The culture of any society is in constant flux, it's changing slightly all the time. Uh, You can think about the culture of our nation and how today is very different to the 1950s. So over 70 years, it's changed considerably. And what makes a culture is determined by all sorts of things, our history, our vision of the future, what we think is right and wrong at any given moment. How we're influenced by the arts, like film or TV or plays, the books that we read, how we're influenced by the news and how the news is presented. And how the news is presented now is very different to how it was in the 1950s. It used to be you'd buy a newspaper. My dad still goes every single day up to the news agent to buy a newspaper. Most of you probably don't do that. You get it on your phone, you look on social media, you'll do all sorts of things to get news. Our culture is constantly changing. And the ideas around what is right and what's wrong and how we relate to faith and God and our counsel is constantly changing. And we have to be aware of that as we think about how do we share our faith and how do we talk about Jesus. It's a difficult thing. How do we talk about all the big issues that people are talking about in life from a Christian perspective? And use them as a springboard for a conversation in which we're able to tell our story and to talk about Jesus. So that's what we're going to do today. And uh, just let's start off with the ways in which we can engage with culture. And I think there are four ways in which Christians engage with culture. Uh, The first one is they isolate themselves. The church has a long history of that. Whether it is the hermits of the third century who would hide in the desert, live in a cave and pray and basically stay away from anything that might taint them or lead them to temptation. 
uh, all the way through to current day America where the Amish live a very isolated life, basically stuck in around about the you know, 1700s, 1800s, living life in an old way and yet not being influenced by the world around them. And we can look at those societies and those cultures and say, well, that's a bit weird, that's different. But even in this country, Christians still do it. Sometimes we do it. We like to live in a church bubble where we kind of isolate ourselves from all the different ideas that are out there. We like to be with people who are like us, who share our ideas and our values and our beliefs and never engage with different ideas and different beliefs that are out there. We still do it today. And some denominations are very extreme about it. There are still Plymouth Brethren around who truly isolate themselves. It's something in all of us that wants to be with people like us and not get tainted by the world. So we can isolate. The other end of that scale is actually to dictate, and you get this quite a bit in America, with a fairly militant kind of Christianity that wants to shape the whole of a nation around biblical principles. It's, around, it's, all, it's all based on the myth, and it is a myth, of a Christian nation. Because the Bible never ever talks about there being a Christian uh, nation in our time. It only ever talks about persecution. It doesn't talk about, at any point, about there being a nation that is fully Christian, because that is actually quite impossible to do. And so there are those Christians sometimes in this country, a lot in America, who really want to try and dictate to society, this is right and this is wrong and this is how you should behave. And of course that just turns people off. And you'll have heard people talk about Christians as being hypocrites and bigots and all those kind of things. Because of what they've heard and seen. You'll see uh, at any point, certainly in America, outside any abortion cr uh, clinic, Christians harassing women who are in difficult situations. You'll see Christians on any gay pride uh, walk with placards at the side, shouting abuse of people in the name of Jesus. And that's the whole idea. We need to force people into believing or doing what we want them to do. Another way is that the Christians engage with culture is they accommodate. Well, this is what society thinks, and so that's what we should do. If society believes we should be able to marry men to men or women to women, then that's what we should do. But of course, that ignores the fact that Jesus said that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. That we are in some way different and we hold to different beliefs and ideas to the world. We'll always be different. Christians should be different. We are meant to be salt and light in society. And isolating and accommodation do not allow for that. If we are to be salt and light, we have to be in the world and engaged with it. Which is the fourth way in which Christians can engage with society. By simply engaging with it in a way that affirms and challenges it. That looks for the good in it and is also able to speak truth to it. That's what a Christian response, I think, should be. That we're involved in all of life. Being salt and light. That we are in of it, in the world. 
but actually not of it. Being different. Bringing a different kind of point of view, a different perspective, different values, to challenge the values and ideas of society around us. But also affirming the positives. And sometimes Christians aren't always good at that second bit. We like to condemn and to judge, but not actually to engage. And so what happens if you're having a chat with someone and they bring up a big cultural issue and they want to get your perspective on it? How can we respond? Let me give you a number of principles that I would encourage you to think through. We can't go through all the big issues one by one. These are simply principles to go by. The first one is this. Listen and learn. We've said it a number of times, both from uh, the front here, but also in the email, if you've read any of the stuff around evangelistic habits. The key thing to evangelism is listening, not speaking. Because if you're not listening, how do you know how to respond to someone with the gospel? Because the gospel is some big, all-consuming message. How can we tie it into their life unless we are truly listening to them? And we need to be listening to the world around us. We need to be engaged with it. We need to know what's going on. We as Christians should be the most informed about this world that we live in more than any other people. Karl Barth, who was probably one of the most famous, most influential uh, Christian theologians, biblical theologians of recent times, said that a Christian should have the Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. We should be fully informed about what's going on around us in the arts, in the news, what's on TV, all the the crappy stuff that people watch. We should know about. Do you know what's going on in Love Island at the moment? Because I can guarantee if you work, they'll be talking about it tomorrow. Where's your conversation in that? It's rubbish. But where's your point of view on it? Where's your opportunity to share something of the gospel in that? We need to be fully informed by listening to what's going on around us. We need to know what is moving people at this moment. We need to know what's shaping people's lives. Whether it's the big things around what's happening in Ukraine or the the cost of living crisis or what's happening in Love Island on TV. Every one of those things is an opportunity to share the gospel. Every one of those things is perhaps an opportunity for someone to ask you, well, you're a Christian, aren't you? What do you think? If you don't know what's going on, how on earth can you respond? I love the story that that Ruth read for us. Paul is in Athens, this incredible multicultural kind of society. And it says as he walked around, he's distressed by what he sees. The word in Greek for distress, actually, he's kind of angry. Because all around he sees temples and idols to all sorts of gods. And to be honest, that's a bit like now. We might not see temples and gods everywhere, but there are idols. Every shop, every TV personality, every celeb on YouTube. They're all idols in some way. We're surrounded by them. And we should be distressed by that. We should want to engage with that. And sometimes the Christian response is to engage angrily and out of our emotion. But Paul doesn't do that. 
what he does is he walks around and he learns. We even read in that passage that he, he'd read their poets. He'd engaged with their arts. He'd looked at the idols and saw what they were worshipping. He learned what was going on in the culture. I want to encourage you to be that kind of person. There's not so stuck in a church bubble that you don't know what's going on in the world around us. Everything that's going on is an opportunity for the gospel. And unless we are listening and learning from all that's around us, then we'll never know. The danger is for all of us, we think, well, if I want to listen to what's going on and, and learn about what people think, that might affect me, what I believe. I'm scared of that. But it doesn't have to, though, does it? Some years ago, I was asked by uh, the Bishop of Liverpool then to uh, be part of a, a process in the Church of England called Shared Conversations, which was bringing together um, people of different points of view around the whole issue of sexuality and uh, the whole gay issue in the Church of England. And I was asked to be in that process because I hold a traditional, what I believe, biblical point of view. And I was terrified because I thought they'd want to try and brainwash me into thinking something different. But I wanted to engage with it. And the great thing about it is it never changed my point of view. What it did do, and more importantly, what listening to people does, is it changes your attitude to people that you disagree with. Where I was defensive and sometimes aggressive, I suddenly learned a new respect for people who were gay Christians who were struggling with. What does it mean to have these feelings and also to believe in God, to believe in Jesus? I had a new respect for them as I heard how badly some Christians had treated them. How abusively they'd been dealt with. And although I didn't change my point of view on what the Bible says, my attitude changed. And that's important, isn't it? Because if we are to share the gospel, it needs to come from a right attitude. It needs to come from a place where we can love people. And sometimes when people have different opinions to us, we find them hard to love because we only really like people like us. But we're called to love all people. And the way in which you learn to love people is to listen and to learn. The next principle we see from Paul is this, that he looked for what was good around him. There he is, he's standing in his great debating chamber, the Areopagus. And the first thing he says isn't a word of condemnation or judgment. He says, people of Athens, I've walked around your city and I see you are a very religious people. You're trying to be good. He starts off positively, sees what's good about it. And I think that is a fantastic starting place. You know, when God created the world, what did he say about it? He said, it is I was looking for a response there, there we got one. Good, thank you. When God created the whole of the world, he, he said, it's good. When God created people, what did he say about people? They were very good. And nothing's changed in that, you know. All the people who disagree with you violently, all the people that you disagree with, 
those people are still in some way very good. They're not your enemy. And within them there is something positive and good about it. In every system that we have, no matter how broken and destructive it might be, there's still something positive about it. And we need to find those good and positive things in people and in systems and in the culture around us in order to speak to it well. Let me give you an example. Uh, So Andrew and I were given free tickets to go and see in Liverpool Empire Theatre, the Book of Mormon. Anyone know that? Has anyone seen it, first of all? No, if you've not seen it, uh, yes. Andrew at the back, who was with us. Um, If you've not seen it, don't go. Um, (laughs) So I'd heard about it, and I'd read about it, and I knew it was going to be a bit crass and a bit crude and a bit um, kind of, well, a little bit negative, not just about Mormons, but about religion. And God, it was so much worse than that. It was way worse than that. I mean, it was horrendously worse than that. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm like, this is horrendous. And I'm thinking, I'm a Christian and this, should I be watching this? I don't know. And I'm trying to engage with the story. The story is as mad as a box of frogs, to be honest. But there you go. Um, And I won't tell you the story because it's just crazy. But the whole point of the show ends with this that stories are powerful that was the whole point of it I mean the whole thing was about you know like the Mormon story and then it brings in Star Wars and Lords of the Rings all sorts of things I mean it is mad and it ends with this guy Arnold creating his own stories but they were stories that changed people's lives and changed communities And isn't that what we've been talking about from the front for the last weeks? The story changes lives. Your story, your work, your walk with Jesus can change someone else's life. It's the very thing that we've been talking about. And I thought, so if I started a conversation with someone and they said to me, well, what do you think about the Book of Mormon? I thought it was great. I would simply say, well, what do you think about the end? About the whole thing around story? And start that conversation. And I want to say, well, do you think it matters whether stories are true or not? Because the story in the Book of Mormon wasn't true. Does that matter to you? Do you think stories change lives? And you could create a whole conversation, not about the negative, crass, rude stuff of the Book of Mormon, but the positive thing, the good thing. And isn't that a healthier kind of conversation? Because if someone asked me about the Book of Mormon, I could say, Oh, don't watch it. If you watch it, you'll definitely go to hell. I could do all of that. I could stand outside the Book of Mormon, as there were some people doing so, you know, saying, don't go in and watch it. Or we can engage with it and find what's good. And there was something good in it. I mean, some of the music was good, and some of the dancing was good. <laughs> the story was terrible. Um, but there was this idea of stories being powerful. What a great starting point to talk about the gospel. I still recommend that you don't see it. So, look for what is good. The next principle is always respond with grace. In any conversation about some of the big cultural issues of our time, there's always the danger it gets either aggressive or divisive or disruptive. There's always that kind of danger. 
And Christians are the worst at it, to be honest. We get, we get so caught up with our love for God that we want to protect him at all costs, like God needs protecting. He really doesn't. He doesn't need you to defend him. He doesn't need you to kind of stand your ground and shout at people. See, out there, as there was for Paul in Athens, he realised that those people were simply ignorant of God. He said that, didn't he? He said, I found this idol, and says to an unknown God, now what you are ignorant about, let me tell you the truth about. See, in all the issues that we face as a society, that are in our culture, all those big issues, the people out there, they don't know God. They don't know the Bible. They don't understand the character of God and what he's like. They are approaching all of these things out of ignorance. So why would we get aggressive about that? Why would we not want to respond graciously and with love? Why would we not want to, in some way, attract them into the good news of Jesus, rather than kind of stand our ground and try and win an argument? Please, let me encourage you, if you're ever in a discussion about faith, don't try to win the argument. Look to win the person. And you win the person with grace and with love. Peter, in 1 Peter 3, says this. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Always be prepared. In other words... Know what's going on in the world, understand the gospel, be prepared to tell your story. And then do it with gentleness and respect. Respect people's point of view. It will be different to yours. Do you know what? There are people in this church who will have a different point of view to you on all sorts of issues. You'd want to respect them, wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want to respect anyone else outside of church? So always respond with grace. The next principle is this. All of that kind of stuff will think, well, Steve's selling out. Steve's being soft in some way. I also want to encourage you to be biblically authentic. Because Paul was. Paul starts off with, I see you're religious, you're trying to be good, you've got all these good things going on. But then he starts to tell them the good news about Jesus. And what does he do? He starts with judgment and resurrection. Two big places to start. That's what he starts with. We need to be true to our beliefs still. In all of our discussions, we need to be true to what we believe. But if we're starting from a place where we are listening and learning, if we're starting from a place where we're looking for what's good and we're responding in grace, then you actually have an opportunity to share your point of view, no matter how different it might be, in a much better kind of context and environment. And so be true to what you believe. There's no point trying to hide stuff from people about what you believe. Because they'll sense it. They'll know you're not being honest. Every time we get the opportunity to share our faith, we need to be true to what we believe. 
And the final thing that we learn from Paul is this. Leave them with something to think about. When Paul mentions resurrection, I mean, they don't focus on the judgment bit, unsurprisingly, but maybe that's because some of the religions had judgment as part of it. But this idea of God raising the dead, well, that's different, isn't it? And it says that some of them sneered at Paul, but some of them wanted to know more. Now, we've talked about this before when we're talking about telling your story. Try and leave people with a question or something to think about. Don't just try and end the conversation, but leave them with something. And Paul did that with resurrection. He enticed them into a further conversation. He didn't tell them all about resurrection there and then. That was done at another point. You don't have to tell everyone the whole gospel right in one go. Give them something to think about. And whatever the situation is, whatever the issue is that you're talking about, there's always something that you can leave with with them. A question to consider. A story to tell. A thought to reflect on. So leave them with something. It's not easy trying to engage with these big issues in our culture. But I think those principles apply to most of them. Maybe not all of them. Those are principles that even apply to most situations, to be honest. But particularly about the big cultural situations that you'll find yourself in. And I think as a way of life, we need to learn this. If we are to be an evangelistic church, we need to be a people who are constantly listening and learning to the world around us. We need to be a people who are looking for what's good. Because God is in this world. And I believe in a God who is active in this world. Active in every single person, no matter how evil you might think they are. God's still at work there somewhere. The God's at work still in every situation, every kind of system that we have. Even our broken political system at the moment. God's at work. And we need to be looking for that and drawing on what is good. We need to be people who are responding graciously. Not arrogantly, not aggressively, but with love, gentleness and respect. And we need to be people who are being true to what we believe. These are the things that help us in every situation where we are talking to people about Jesus. Where we're talking to people about the cultural issues that we face.